This video is sponsored by Jerry's Artorama. Jerry's Artorama Online has been serving artists for over 50 years, providing only the best quality art supplies. Jerry's Artorama has premier lines that sell all over the world and are used by millions of artists and professionals worldwide for amazing results. In addition to over 65,000 fine art supplies, choose from over 4,000 free art lessons, oil painting, drawing, acrylics, watercolors, mixed media, and the largest selection of new supplies professionally evaluated and created by artists for artists. Jerry's Artorama has been empowering artists since 1968. We provide reliability, better art supplies, great prices, and exceptional service. The quality of your art matters to us. Hello, everybody. Today, we are doing a drawing tutorial focusing on soft pastels. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at Art Prof, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. If you would like to draw along with me, I would love for you to do that. And we meet afterwards in the Discord to share what we've made. And the link to the reference photo that you see in the lower left-hand corner, that is in the YouTube video description below. And what I have here is a very, very quick sketch that I did 10 minutes before the stream began, just as a warm-up because it's been a while since I have done any soft pastels. This is the reference photo that I'm going to be working on. It is a lunch that the bread fairy, my mother-in-law, served us on her porch because the cases of Omicron, they've been rising lately in Utah. So she's been trying to be just extra careful about how to go about doing everyday things. And part of that was not hosting people indoors. And so instead she said to us, well, come have lunch on my porch. If you wanna see the full scene, those images are on our Flickr page. And wow, it was such an event. <laughs> we had a fire going. She set out all these tables for us. It was so heavenly. I mean, I don't think a lot of people get to do stuff like that very often. I have not done soft pastel in a really long time. And one of the reasons I wanted to today is because I just really need a change of pace. For those of you who have been following my Bread Fairy series, which is artwork inspired by food that my mother-in-law prepares, it sort of settled into colored pencil as a good media that was working for me and I was getting pretty good results. I was like, I'm gonna do this for a little while. It's nice to not be meandering so much. But today I thought that just feels sort of dry and boring. And I, I wanted to do something to shake it up a little. So that's why I'm doing soft pastels, not for any other reason, just for a change of pace. Tell me in the chat, when's the last time one of you had a change of pace with your work. Did you switch media? Maybe you switch topics. We need that. I think as artists, we can't just do the same thing over and over again. And even if we do specialize in a particular area, we need to shake things up. This is my way of shaking things up. By the way, this material that I am drawing on this is called pastel board and it's a rigid board. You can see it's not just a regular sheet of paper because one of the issues I think with soft pastel is people do worry about how fragile it is. It's not practical to put every soft pastel drawing you do under glass. And so this pastel board is a really nice solution because it's so strong and rigid and yet it also has this coarseness you can probably hear from me drawing over it. And I really like it. It's a very nice surface. I'd never used it until Ampersand, the company, had sent it to me. But 
I'm really into it. If you can afford getting it, I highly recommend it. It's a really nice surface. I have to say, I have drawn so many freaking plates <laughs> since I started the Bread Fairy stuff. And I hate drawing these plates because I can't do ellipses. And then there's all the funky angles and it, it just stresses me out so bad. I really should just get over it because there's a lot of plates <laughs> when you draw food. But I might try to make this drawing more atmospheric because as a response to my colored pencil drawings, which are pretty tight, they're very rendered and detailed. I just want to do something today that feels more smoky and suggestive and atmospheric just as a reaction to that. Sometimes I feel as an artist, you're sort of this pendulum, you're swinging back and forth, you're getting really tight, you're getting loose again, you're too loose, you want to get tight. And I, I feel that that's something I'm always grappling with is, okay, how loose is too loose? How tight is too tight? And so here I am pushing myself in that opposite direction. All right, let's see what people are saying in the chat. Jin Does Art says, I switched to watercolor after never giving it a second thought in June of 2020. Now it's almost all I do. That switch was the best thing I ever did. And I've been so inspired since. It's great. I had a similar thing, Jen, where I didn't really think watercolor was my thing. In fact, I really did not like it for a long period of time. But then I spent a whole summer with it. And you can watch my Utah tutorials. And I totally did a 360 and changed my mind entirely. So you never know. Sometimes you can go for so long thinking, oh, no way, never. And then things change. We're, we're not static as artists. I mean, I, I think that's what I like about being an artist is that things are constantly in motion. It's hard sometimes. Sometimes I would like things to feel just a little bit more stable. But I enjoy the challenge of that. I like it that I don't really know where things are going all the time. It keeps things exciting. Poison Apple says, I'm normally a pen and ink artist, but I'm currently working on a painted sketch for an art installation for my 3D art class. Ooh, I never got to do any installation stuff. I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> Kat S says, started getting into making stamps. It's a nice intro to printmaking. Oh, I love printmaking. <laughs> Any opportunity I have to convert somebody into a printmaking nerd, I will take it. Contemporary Sumera says, switched media recently. It was so refreshing. Use colored pencils instead of gouache. I feel like I should give gouache a real shot someday. I just never really had time to spend with it outside of color charts. And I got a lot out of those. But you know what? I'm going to blame it on Alex Rowe. <laughs> Maybe if Alex Rowe wasn't such a good gouache painter, <laughs> I would feel like I could do more of it. It's just I don't know. I don't want to be around Alex when he's doing gouache because I just feel I would develop a bit of an inferiority complex. I don't like that. <laughs> also, in this reference photo, I love this blur that's in the background. It, it's got such weird colors. And it's funny because this area, so this is her porch. And then this area is like the street and the colors for some reason really turned out so beautiful. And you know, some, this is just a street. It, it's not anything that you would think is that beautiful. And I just love it when things accidentally present themselves that way. Yes, I know we need to do more printmaking streams. I know. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna try to block in 
the negative space. And you know something? Also, contrary to what I usually teach, I'm going to do a lot of smudging today. Not because I'm going to leave it that way, but I love just creating an atmosphere. And I feel like this particular reference photo is good for that. That's not always the case with every image, but in this particular one, I would say, yeah, I need to count these. <laughs> it's like when you draw the figure, you have to make sure you got the right number of toes. As somebody who has drawn six fingers before, I'm gonna be really loose. Can you all hold me to that? Who here does this? Whenever I sit down to start a drawing, I have a very loose list of goals that I wanna try. So if I feel that I have been too, if I've been too tight for a little while, I'll say, okay, well, this time I really want to loosen up. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to loosen up. <clears throat> I'm going to get really abstract. And I may just get that far. I have no idea. Because my issue is that because I do have skills, drawing and rendering, I can make it realistic. But just because I can doesn't mean I should. And so that's why I want this to be a little bit more abstract today. And by the way, you know who inspired me to be more abstract today is one of my goals. It was one of you. It was Brittany in the Discord. Brittany, by the way, is also one of our mods. And our mods are fabulous. They do such an amazing job keeping things up and running, making sure our space is safe and inclusive. And so Brittany had posted this image I believe of a flower that was in the Patreon Discord area. And Brittany had been doing all these abstract paintings, but then was talking about maybe wanting to do stuff that was a little bit pushing more towards representation. And I read that comment and I thought, oh, I need that. I need to do a drawing that's looser, that's more abstract. I, I gotta get out of that tight mindset that the colored pencil drawings were affecting on me. And so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. So thank you, Brittany. I don't know if you're here live in the chat, but if you watch the replay, thank you. I mean, it goes to show you that all the inspiration, all the ideas, it's a two-way street. I know technically I'm the one streaming, but I learn as much from all of you as I do from anybody else. And that's one of the things I really like about our community. I'm trying to jump around. It's a little tricky because I'm getting a little sucked into some of these details over here. But I think what I wanna do is just jump around, make a big mess. And I really need to squint. I just caught myself not squinting. And so there's a lot of stuff happening in here in the glasses, and I just know if I don't squint, I'm going to get really distracted by that, and that's not good. So that's why I'm trying to jump around, because I know the temptation is there, and I have to be aware of those temptations. And then, oh, these floral patterns. Oh, my God, Bread Fairy, could you make my life <laughs> more difficult? And if I squint, it's like a pinkish color. Maybe like a, I don't know, it's a very, ugh, that looks terrible. Okay, that was not a good move. Maybe something a little bit more neutral would be better. Let's just start with this. I feel that there's a lot of green, but I'm just going to toss in little chunks of yellow. And I'm still reminding myself, gotta stay loose. Gotta stay loose. Because you know something, if I don't intentionally tell myself that, I'm just gonna end up reverting to my old habits, which are to make things much tighter. I don't know what color the table is. It's like, it's like a non-color. And I'm squinting really hard and I can see that the plate is very cool, very frosty, cool blue. And I know that the table is warm, 
compared to the plate, I feel like it's a warm purple. It's probably one of those colors where you just have to have a million layers to the point that it does turn into one of those non-colors. I'm not going to sweat it too hard because the beginning part of a pastel drawing, everything's in flux. So I'm just not going to sweat about that right now. I mean, this pink is kind of gross, but whatever. It, it's going to get covered up. It's fine. <laughs> All right. And then you see these napkins? They're super bright, but I don't think I'm going to make them super bright at first because actually what I'm really doing right now is I'm creating placeholders. I'm just saying this is about here, I'm not trying to make it look good. I'm just saying eh, it's about here. By the way, this is red. I know my webcam thinks it's orange. It really is red, trust me. I'll post photos in the Discord after the stream, and then you'll be able to see the more accurate colors because on the live stream, you're just not going to get it. So these folds that are in here, I'm not going to worry about those. I just think that's fruitless at this stage because just so much is going to change later on. It's just not worth worrying about. It's all about priorities. Oh, I hate these ellipses. It's just the worst. See, I know that in linear perspective, there is a way to do ellipses, and I just never learned it. <laughs> I should. I know it's bad. I do have a book that does explain it. I just didn't bother. <laughs> I don't know. For me, it, it just takes out too much of the fun. I'd rather just eyeball it and apologize later. <laughs> and then the shadow. Hmm. If I squint, I'm just going to do purple for now. I think it's probably too saturated, but I just need something value wise. Again, to just be a placeholder. That's all this is. I guess you don't have to do that at the movies anymore because now all the seats are assigned. Does everybody remember the olden days when you would just show up and you just take your jacket and that was enough? And now you have to actually pick seats. Although I haven't seen a movie in like 50 years in the theater because of my kids. Parents, you feel my pain of never getting to see a movie in the theater. <laughs> All right, I just caught myself trying to draw the plate as far as the outlines go, but I shouldn't be doing that. I should be looking at the shape. And so if I look at the shape, actually, these sides are very bright. And it's actually this area in the middle that's pretty dark. So that's where I sort of have to not pay attention to the ellipse and just look at the shapes and the shadows because really this whole area in the center is in shadow. It was really fun being on her porch. I mean, not just because it's the porch, but because I had so many different lighting situations. Like usually when we're indoors and we're just sitting at the dining room table, the lighting is not great because it's in the evening and it's not like there's studio lights there or anything, but it was so fun because the light kept changing on the porch and it was really, really beautiful. So it was a really nice change of pace. Thank you, Ginger Cell, who says, your plate looks good enough. I will take it. <laughs> Sentient Charcoal says, I need to actually learn linear perspective at some point instead of just faking it, but I've always had issues with spatial depth. So I know it's not gonna come easily. Well, Sentient Charcoal, check out our perspective section on rprof.org. Just use a search bar and type in linear perspective. And I have a lecture that does break down how to do all those things because it is overwhelming. What helped me a lot was a lot of people do the boxes and all that junk. I hate that stuff. I just think it's so dry and so, so boring. So instead, what I do is I tell people, listen, if you want to learn linear perspective, you have to learn how to see it in real life. And so 
take your phone and just walk around on the street and just take a photo. Anytime you think you see linear perspective, just take a photo. And then I did the same thing with students at RISD. I'd say, okay, today we're gonna do two point perspective. Now walk around the library and take photos of where you think you see two point perspective. And I think that was very valuable because it's one thing to draw those boxes, but it's another thing to actually make something that actually works in real life. Now I'm noticing this table is actually very dark compared to the background. Like this whole area needs to group as a shadow. So I think what I'm gonna do is do a very quick pass of dark purple. Not because I think it's purple, because I just need to darken it. I just need to change the value so that this is more visible. And maybe at some point we'll end up with that non-color <laughs> that I was talking about earlier. Quite a bit of blue up here. I think in about a minute, almost ready to start just doing some serious blending. Actually, I should get some rags. Give me one second. A lot of time I use my fingers, but sometimes the rag is really nice if you're trying to do something a little bit bigger. Hi, Jen. Jen is saying, happy to finally catch you live watching from Australia. Well, you know who's from Australia? <laughs> I've been thinking about Hugh Jackman a lot because, well, he's in my Instagram feed. And right now he's on Broadway. He's playing the music man. And I'm just so sad because I was supposed to go to New York City. Actually, I was supposed to be there this week, but I ended up not going because I was concerned about New York City having so many COVID cases. So I didn't end up going, but I could have gone to see him. I did see him on Broadway though, a long time ago when he was in Boy From Oz. Oh, that was one of the greatest performances of my life. <laughs> oh my God, it was so good. Like, however good you think he is in a movie, he's 10 times better on Broadway. Oh my God, he's such a good performer. Who here has been to a Broadway show? I'm just curious because sometimes I look at the world and I just think, oh my God, we cannot get our act together. Everything is such a mess. But then when you go to a Broadway show, it's like, how are humans capable of this level of organization? It just blows my mind that they can throw together one musical number, much less 13 in a row, and then to do it eight days a week, eight performances a week, that's insane. Like, I, I don't understand how they pull off those Broadway shows. It's phenomenal. It just blows me away. So I was pretty sad to see him on Broadway again. You know, I tried to use this rag, but it's not working. And I think it's because, oh wait, maybe, hmm, hang on, let, let me try this part. Oh, maybe I just wasn't pressing hard enough. It is making a lot of dust though. Maybe I should just stick with my hands. I'm just gonna fuzz this whole thing to death. We're just going to make it really abstract and messy. It's sort of like toning your paper in a way, but with just a little bit more direction. Because ultimately, I don't want this to be an abstract drawing, but I wanted to have a, a ground. And so that's what I'm doing right now blurring everything like crazy. I know it looks like a rack, but I enjoy just smearing things around and, and letting the colors sort of connect because I think what's really hard is you can make certain parts of the drawing look great by themselves, but getting them to connect and to have a certain degree of fluidity, that is hard. In fact, I made a short about that. It's not on YouTube yet, have to upload it, but I put it on TikTok. 
I think I put it on Instagram. Anyway, somebody had asked on TikTok, well, how do you keep your anatomical figure drawings looking fluid? How do you do that? And really, it's about that flow. It's like you can't just think about eyelashes all day. You can do that, but then things start to fall apart and they don't connect very well. So I answered that it was so important if you're drawing a human figure, you got to remind yourself it's one form. I mean, yeah, it subdivides into all these different things. But I think we forget because we draw the figure and we just think, oh, it's so complicated. There's all these things. But actually, it's not. It's just one form. And that's what I think a lot of us forget when we're doing that. Okay, yeah, that is really smeary. <laughs> it's like a ghost drawing. <laughs> I do really like this board, though. Not only is it rigid, but it does have a tooth that's coarser than pastel paper. Pastel paper tends to have those lines in it, which I like. But this is more like very fine sandpaper. And a lot of green in here. Maybe this is too saturated, though. I think I need a green that's a little bit more muted. Yeah, let's try that. Because actually, it gets pretty dark down here. Yeah, this is starting to look like a non-color, right? Still pretty purple, but... And what I might do is actually make this whole area way darker than it should be, just to emphasize more the glow that's in that background. Because now that I think about it, that glow is pretty important. It really sets the atmosphere for the drawing. And so that's why I wanna really make it more prominent. I don't think I smudged enough. I feel like I got too picky with the plate and that sort of screwed me up. So I'm just gonna redraw a little bit just so that it doesn't feel so definitive because I think I do want this to be more of a suggestive drawing rather than one that's super concrete. Yeah, that already feels a little better. When in doubt, just smear and smudge. <laughs> I guess that's it. Janet says, that's exactly my issue with drawing figures. I've been doing the 2500 challenge, which by the way, is in our Discord. It's really fun. So I practice the parts individually, but it's hard to connect everything together. Yeah, the 2500 challenge, it's great. It's a real test of your artistic stamina. And I think that alone, that's extremely valuable. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to artprof.org, click on the search bar and just type in 2500. You'll find the page for that. But uh, that is one of the drawbacks of that challenge is that you are not drawing full figures. You're drawing pieces of figures. And so ultimately it is gonna take more than that one exercise to start to put those parts together. But it's really valuable. And I know for Jordan, the 2500 was so pivotal in his artistic experience. He did the challenge three times. And one of the times it was in high school. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of high school students that have the patience for that. I wouldn't have, for sure. I don't feel like I had that I mean, I did work, but I don't feel like I was that focused. I was a little all over the place, which I think is fine. But I know for Jordan, it was really, really helpful. I'm gonna make this really mushy. Sorry guys, this might not look so exciting <laughs> by the time the stream is over. It's probably still gonna look like mush, but whatever. I mean, people need to see that things don't just pop out perfectly. That's just the way it is. And actually this chair 
in the photo, it's really dark, but I don't want to do that because I think that's going to take away. So I think what I'm going to do instead is, well, I don't know, this burnt sienna seems a little bit too dark. I think maybe I'll do this and we'll just do a light pass again, just to hold a place. And then maybe it's something that gets smudged out later because I don't want those to be so prominent that they take away. They are really dark, but just because they're dark, it doesn't mean you have to draw them dark. We were just talking in the anatomy premium track, we were having a voice session and we were talking, Alex Rowe and I, about how you don't always want to be a slave to your reference photo, how you want to feel like you can make decisions and depart from that if you want to. And so that's something that I think is sometimes hard to do. Like sometimes a reference photo is too dominant and you don't want it to get in the way of your creative potential of you making a big change. Oh, I just saw Hugh Jackman's name in the chat. Amanda says, Hugh Jackman was in my small town in Louisiana when he was filming Wolverine. I watched him. Oh my God, you are kidding me right now, Amanda. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he was so nice. I know. <sighs> Armand says, is Chuck Pastel white to with any paper or should you use a specific type of paper? Chalk pastel in general, you want to have ideally pastel or charcoal paper because it does have a slight tooth to it. You don't have to. I mean, you totally can just use regular drawing paper. It's just that if you don't have the tooth, the pastel, it just sort of slides around and it doesn't really grip very well. And so that's what I would recommend. But I mean, use what you've got. It, sometimes there's nothing you can do about that. Kat says, it looks very dreamlike right now or ghost-like. Cool. I like that. And a follow-up from Kat, have you ever tried themed drawing and painting, for example, making a Halloween-themed piece? I haven't. <laughs> I don't know. I guess just never occurred to me. Yeah, maybe I should someday. Rin Jeff says, I have a reference photo of my cat. I drew not how the photo looked, but his personality it was hilarious to look at as a drawing made him look snooty. See, I love that. I would much rather do a drawing of a snooty looking cat than an accurate looking cat. Because honestly, sometimes those hyper-realistic, super detailed drawings, they don't feel like the cat. Lauren and I did a cat drawing tutorial a ways back. And we were explaining how you can have the most accurate drawing in the world, but sometimes it doesn't feel like the cat. And sometimes a drawing that's all wonky looking and totally inaccurate feels more like the cat than the super accurate one. And so accuracy is not everything. Because sometimes people will say to me, oh, I don't like this drawing because I don't feel like it's very accurate. And I'm like, I don't know that accuracy is the thing that's holding you back. Sometimes accuracy is just really boring. It's almost like you're just writing a book report. You're just describing what you see. And describing what you see is not very interesting if you don't try to get past just the physical look of things. It's like when people do portraits, like we have a portrait track that I'm working on right now. I'm so proud I finished lessons one and two. Still got four more to go. But I think with portraits, People think a portrait, the success of a portrait is all about, oh, does it look like them? Or am I physically describing this person so they are recognizable? And yeah, that's part of it, but it's not everything. And I think a really strong portrait does more than just physically describe, oh, they have curly hair, they have this color skin. It, that's not what a portrait is. That's part of what a portrait is, but it's not everything. Doing some more squinting. What I'm gonna do now is just pick out a couple patches. And I think I have to deal with these flowers and I'm gonna keep them really soft. Again, I'm gonna resist the temptation 
to make anything very clear. Another thing I do when I draw with chalk pastel is I always draw with the side. You'll see I don't draw with the tip very much. I will later on, but in the beginning, it's all about the side. And I like it because it's fast, gets the point across. And you just think bigger. I think the danger with a lot of pastel drawings is just getting into that detail too soon before you're really ready for it. I feel like that was too yellow. Maybe I'll switch to this orange. Yeah, I think, oh yeah, that's a way better. Okay, I should have used this instead. I mean, I don't sweat the color accuracy very much in the beginning, just because I know so much is gonna change. It's not worth stressing about it. Who here likes drawing patterns? Who here hates drawing patterns? <laughs> I don't hate them. I'm just not very good at it. I didn't really draw a lot of patterns when I was younger. And now I'm like, oh man, a lot of catch up work to do here as far as patterns go. So it's not that I hate doing them. They're just a little bit awkward for me because I just don't feel that confident. But what I'm trying to do for this one is I want the pattern to feel a little more luscious, a little more rich, a little bit more flowy, as opposed to say, like drawing everything really precisely. So what I'm gonna try to do right now is I'm just gonna take this red, I'm just gonna let it jump around just so it's everywhere. Because that's another problem I find with color is if you just stick one color into one spot and you don't distribute it, it tends to look really out of place. And so this is just like a really quick and easy way to make sure that doesn't happen. I still don't feel that loose, but we'll get there. I mean, that is really fun. It feels very disruptive <laughs> to what's happening here, but that's okay. And it is a little nerve wracking because I don't know, maybe none of this is gonna work out, but whatever. <laughs> Screw it. <sighs> Honestly, that's kind of one of the most healthy attitudes you can have with your artwork is whatever. And students say to me, they're like, well, isn't that bad? Shouldn't I really, really care about your work? I'm like, yeah, but not to the point that it drives you crazy, which it does for me so often. And so it's a balance. You can care about something, but also not care about the moment of it. Okay, that's starting to pop a little bit more. And I think back here, I'm just gonna pull out little dots of red like even these little dots that are like going back into the distance, I feel like those are helping me. And even this like smear of red, which is not very articulate, that's also helping me as well, just to capture the overall feeling of that. Beam says, drawing people wearing patterned clothing is tiring. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> There's a reason I don't do portraits of people wearing flannel shirts. That just would be the biggest pain in the butt. <laughs> Dusty says, I hate drawing patterns. <laughs> Thank you, sentient arbitrary reminder to stay loose since you asked us to help you with that. Though I don't think you need it. Oh, I need it. I do. <laughs> I have to stay on top of it. Otherwise... I feel that every artist has tendencies. We tend to do things a certain way if we don't think about it very deliberately, and that's fine. But I like to be conscious of what those tendencies are because if I don't think about them, I, I just end up doing the same thing. And I don't wanna do that. Oh, you know what I should do? Oh my God, this pattern is so complicated. I just zoomed in. And there's like blue lines with green on top. I think I'm gonna skip the blue lines right now because they're just so thin. And I'm gonna just toss in a couple patches of the green just to hint that it's there. 
but I'm not going to do a lot of work on it. Just a little here, a little there. I also find when I jump around, that's another thing. It helps me stay loose. Like if I just stay in one spot, I just noodle around there forever. That's really easy to get tight with. So I'm going to try not to do that as well. It's hard to make yourself move on. I mean, it is fun to just play with things. But I feel like this is helping me just at the very least establish this zone that's happening. Oh, and that stupid napkin just had to be there, didn't it? But I kind of love that. So sometimes after I shoot these photos, I'll send them to the bread fairy, my mother-in-law, just to show them to her. And she wrote me this text. She was like, oh my gosh, you're so good at photographing the scene. And how do you make everything look so beautiful? I'm like, look, I just showed up. Okay. Like, I, I don't feel like I did much to create the scene. I mean, I, I feel like I have it really easy because she's making the scene for me. And it's like, I don't have to try that hard to make the scene beautiful. It's already beautiful. I could do a really crappy job of drawing it. And the scene is still beautiful. So I feel very lucky that I have that. Janet says, there's a lot more green in the shadow under the plate in the photo than I originally saw. It's so cool seeing underlying colors in a photo that you don't usually see at first. Well, I got lucky that the light was so beautiful and delicate. I mean, this would be hard to get in an indoor scene because the lighting is just so good. But yeah, I mean, I lucked out that the lighting situation really happened to work out well for me here. I guess I'm thinking a lot about edges because I guess it's the conversation we were having with the premium track anatomy people because oftentimes in the human figure, you have a lot of shadows, okay? But sometimes the shadows are very harsh. Sometimes they are barely there. And I know here, like I'm trying to be very conscious of edges, like this edge here, that red against the blue is pretty pronounced. And so I'm really gonna dig in the red there. But then down here, not so much. I gotta pull in, this plate is starting to float. I don't like that. So I don't think I'm ready to really articulate anything, but I just value-wise want something dark down here. I just want the plate to sit a little bit more. Oh, I feel like I ruined that. <laughs> the thing is, it's so mushy that, I don't know. And sometimes I like the beginning of a drawing because in the beginning of the drawing, it's so obvious what's not working. Sometimes it's harder is later in the process, you know that moment you know it's not done, you know there's stuff you need to fix, but you looked at it so long that you cannot figure it out. That is the point that I think things get really hard. Right now it's pretty obvious what I need to work on. And so in some ways this is an easier stage for me to be working at. Trin is asking, any advice for keeping up with practicing art while taking all of my other non-art college classes? I feel like I'm not able to practice and do well in my other classes. Oh, it's impossible. It's where you have to be okay not doing A plus work all the time. You cannot, nobody can do that. What I would recommend, Trin, is work small and work on things that don't take that long. I was talking to somebody in the Patreon channels in our Discord, and they said that they felt guilty about making work that was physically small, but that actually working physically small is for some people the game changer. Sometimes if something's too big, like you wouldn't wanna work on something like this all the time because it takes up a lot of space, really messy. But if you have a really tiny sketchbook and you can carry that around and, and you can draw while you're on the subway or whatever, that's a pretty big difference. And for some people, that's the difference between making a drawing and not. And so that's okay. It's okay to make stuff that feels less ambitious because the difference is I would rather have a big pile of little tiny sketches than nothing. Nothing is worse. 
nothing is way worse. And don't have any expectations because I think the second you start bringing in expectations, that's when things get really hard. So yeah, small, simple things that don't take a long time. Because that's the thing. It's like you don't want to get paralyzed to the point that you just make nothing. That's worse, much, much worse. I'd rather have a pile of terrible drawings than nothing. Nothing is always worse. Jen says, what do I do if I'm a Patreon subscriber but can't see the Patreon channels? Well, I will send you an email. Or rather, Jen, why don't you email me? <laughs> because I'm not going to remember. But um, what you have to do is you have to log into Patreon and you have to connect to Discord through your Patreon account. And then that will automatically set you up. Try that, Jen. And if it doesn't work, email me and we'll figure it out. My email is on contact under rprop.org. Mukandagri says, should I resist not using an eraser in my sketchbook? It's up to you. I find if I'm sketching really quickly somewhere that sometimes the sketchbook, if I'm erasing too much, it gets disruptive. It gets in the way of me moving forward. That's me. But I think for a lot of people, sometimes the eraser becomes a crutch. Like they do more erasing than they do drawing. And that's not good. You want your drawing to keep moving forward. I like to think about the eraser's drawing tool. People think about an eraser as, oh, it's for getting rid of mistakes. Sure, but I draw way more with an eraser when I draw with charcoal than I do with the charcoal itself. And so I think that's a pretty good indication that there, there's more to it than that. It's not just there to erase things, for sure. This is really, oh my God, I still not dark enough. I think, okay, this is all gonna, this is gonna turn to total mush. I think I'm just gonna smear this whole thing. Oh, I'm probably gonna regret it. But I, I can see that I'm not, not getting the value range that I want down here. Like this is still too bright. And so I think I just need to get in and go over this whole thing. Shoot, my mic's in the way, I can't fill this. I, I just really need to darken this whole thing. Because yeah, these are bright, but they're not that bright. So I think I'm going to regret this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and I'm going to keep smearing. I'm just going to do it. Because soft pastel, you need layers and you need a certain amount of pigment to get that to work. I was looking at somebody's soft pastel drawing in the Discord and they were very frustrated. And I looked at their soft pastel drawing. I was like, you just don't have enough pigment on the paper. So that alone can just hold you back as far as how much you can do. So if you find that you're doing soft pastel and you're really struggling with it, it could be that you just don't have enough layers Like we were in the anatomy track voice session today and somebody said, oh, well, I feel like my sustained drawing, I feel like it's really overworked. And actually Alex Rowe, his reply was actually, it's that you haven't worked on it enough that you have to cross over. <laughs> You've worked on a drawing long enough that it starts to take on a totally different set of attributes because you can't really apply all the gesture stuff to a three hour drawing. I mean, sure, there's a relationship there, but it's not as prominent as maybe some people think it is. Yeah, that's really mushy. It's a little purple. I feel like it needs, it needs to be more gray. I don't want to cheat and put gray though. I feel like that's kind of dumb. Maybe I should put like a dark, like a raw sienna because yellow is the opposite of purple. So I'm hoping that maybe some of this yellow, if I just put a little dip of it, it'll like neutralize the purple. That's what I'm hoping. I don't know if it's gonna work, but whatever, let's just see.
Sentient says, I know that TikToks of people, quote, making art are having a big moment these days, but there's something to be said for watching art getting made in real time, seeing and hearing the unedited process. Oh, yeah, I'm all for that. I mean, I know this format, this is not for everybody. I mean, there's a lot of people, they just see <laughs> that the video is longer than three minutes. Oh, I can't watch that. That's fine. But it's true. Like, you have to see the unedited version to really understand that moment. And actually, here's a great example of that. I did a webinar with Jarrett Kozaska, who is a wonderful children's book illustrator. And if he ever offers a webinar, you should all sign up because he's fabulous. One of my favorite speakers. And his lecture was so good because he didn't just say, oh, be energetic on camera. He gave really concrete examples. So what he did, which I loved, was he showed an unedited clip, the raw video footage of him recording a short to eventually edit. And it, it just made it so real because it was a clip of him saying something, messing up, pausing for it. And you really could see the process. And it's like people don't show that. And so I was like really, really appreciative that he did that because it made me realize, okay, I'm not crazy. This is okay the way I'm doing this because I am trying to figure out a workflow for making shorts. But there is this constant questioning like, oh, maybe there's a better way to do this and maybe I'm spending too much time. And so I was like really, really happy when he gave like such a concrete example. It was like very, it was a big relief for me to see that. So hopefully... Some of you get something similar here that you're getting the unedited version where things are not glossed over. Can't hide the mess. It looks so, oh, I don't know. It just looks so pukey. Like, bleh. like the colors are just not, I mean, it's fine. I shouldn't, I, I really should not be criticizing this right now. It's silly. Sometimes it's like, you just have to turn your brain off listen to a podcast. What I should do is I should get some Benedict Cumberbatch audiobooks. That's what I need. <laughs> because, oh my God, that voice. Although, I don't know if you've all heard, but I have a new man crush. <laughs> you thought I had gotten over all this, but no, I just had a little dry spell. I was really busy working on some of the stuff for the upcoming tracks and I just didn't have time, but slowed up a little bit and I have a new man crush. So who here has seen The Imitation Game? It's that movie with Benedict. I've watched it a million times, okay? And there's this hot guy, Hugh Alexander is his name in the movie. Anyway, he's played by Matthew Good and he's basically like Benedict variation. He's like tall, thin and British and, been watching him be a vampire in this trashy show called Discovery of Witches. And it's so bad, you guys. Oh my God. It's like he's becoming, he's he's moving on up in my scale of hot white men. He's he's getting up there. <laughs> You're like, I didn't look at Benedict on Instagram for a couple of days. It's like, oh my God. It's like very impressive. Matthew Good, you did a great job. <laughs> He's in Downton Abbey. So actually, I need to know, is it worth watching all of Downton Abbey so I can watch Matthew Good in like five episodes? Because he's not in the whole thing. And he doesn't show up until later in the series. So am I just going to be like mad if I watch all of Downton Abbey and it's not that great just to see him? Because... If it's that late in the series, you're going to be confused. Like, you can't just watch a couple episodes. So who here is a Downton Abbey fan? I need to know this because my time is very precious. <laughs> Ooh, we have a Downton Abbey recommendation from Pat because it's great, but not for Matthew Good. He's not in it much. Oh, that's a bummer. Maybe I should just watch it, though. I watched a couple of episodes, and I got kind of bored. It just felt really soapy, but maybe I just didn't watch it long enough. There's a lot of shows like that. It's like it takes a couple episodes to settle in, and that one just didn't do it for me right away. 
I did the same thing with Game of Thrones. I gave up. Maybe I need to watch all those shows. Maybe I need to give them another chance because just everybody was talking about Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe I should. Who knows? Because I just finished Better Call Saul. So now I need a new series. Which is why I was like, okay, maybe. Maybe Downton Abbey. Although, <laughs> Matthew Good is in the crown. And uh, there's a lot of him. There's a lot of a lot of surface. <laughs> oh dear, this is this is all. See, this is how you keep your mind off of all your art problems. <laughs> you just think about your crush, your hot man crush, and then it's like all your artistic problems just disappear. SM Gali is asking about at Eternity's Gate. I have not seen that. I'll have to look it up. And Control says, does art school provide scholarships? Depends on the art school. There are some art schools that are just notoriously stingy about scholarships. I will not name any names, but it's hard to get a scholarship because the thing is a lot of art schools, they just don't have the $50 billion endowment that Harvard has, whatever amount that is. So it is trickier to get that. Jazz W, this is interesting that you're saying I prefer the longs to the shorts because what I have been doing lately is I've been taking some of the live streams, like the old ones, and I have been cutting them into shorter summaries. So I'll take a live stream that was an hour and I'll cut it into like a three minute summary because I know not everybody wants to watch the really live long videos. But you know what's funny? is I have posted a couple where I had the long version, I had the short version, and I totally thought that the short version would be more popular, but that has not been the case. I don't know if it's just our audience, but people seem to be responding much more to the long versions. I don't know. I'm so confused. <laughs> I just, I don't understand the whole algorithm. Or I don't know, it could be just that our audience is so different than the typical YouTube audience that a lot of the stereotypical YouTube advice, maybe it's just not as applicable for our audience for that reason. Okay, I am going to cheat. I'm going to put some gray over this. It's just too bright. It's bothering me. I think it's just popping out too much and it feels too warm. Although I guess that's what happens when you put red everywhere. So I'm just going to... Do a big pass. Hold this. Janet is asking, any tips for drawing anatomical structures quickly? I tend to struggle in the two to five minutes because it takes me too long to draw them. What you want to do, Janet, is you want to make a really crappy drawing really fast that is not missing any body parts. So even in a two minute drawing, I will have everything, hand, feet, like I don't leave out any body parts. That's the problem. People don't get in the full figure soon enough. And I don't mean look, make it look good. I mean, if you look at my two minute drawings, they look like mush, but it's like this as a placeholder. You're just saying, oh, it's about here. And then in the longer pose, you'll go back and you'll make those changes. It's just that a lot of people, even after a five minute pose, they're still missing body parts and you can't get a sense of fluidity in the figure if you're missing a body part. So I would just say, Janet, if you're not doing that, try to pivot so that you get in the habit of drawing the full figure all the time. I think that's pretty important. Jennifer says, I like having old art prof on in the background when I'm making art and inspires me. So I like it when it's long. Well, Jennifer, that's why we actually put up the podcast. Not so much because I want to do a podcast, but because a lot of people said, oh, I listen to you on YouTube, but I can't close YouTube and still listen. And so we put it on Spotify so people can just turn it on in the studio. I mean, it never occurred to me that that's how people would use our content just to keep you company in the studio. But I love that. It's just so cool. This is so funny. Yeah. So Jennifer says, longer the better. So does HT Poke Pack. 
and so does Jane. Okay, well, that explains why the longer videos are getting more traction here. Pat is asking, anyone intimidated by online art videos time-lapse should try making one themselves. The first time I made one, I was blown away with how professional it looked by default. Cuts the hesitations. Yeah, it's weird. Cutting those shorts, I think Kat put it really well because we did a stream on how to cut shorts and use TikTok and stuff. And she said that editing a short video for social media, it's either much harder than you think it is, or it's way easier than you think it is. So some people think it's nothing. And then they realize, oh my gosh, I really do have to learn the app. I really do need to learn this. And other people think, oh my God, it's going to be so impossible. I'm not a film school major. I don't know anything about this. And then you get on the app and you go, hey, that's not so bad. So yeah, it's strange how people both overestimate and underestimate a lot of different things about that process. It's weird because I'm old school. I'm used to using Premiere, Adobe Premiere, which is what I use to edit a lot of our longer format videos. And Premiere is totally overkill for making a short. It's ridiculous. And I started using this video editing app, Video Leap, which is great. It works really well and I do everything on my phone. And it's so fast, I cannot believe it. At the same time though, I mean, if I wanna do something complex, I would not use Video Leap. But for a two minute short on TikTok, yeah, I'm not gonna bother with Premiere. Just like importing the freaking files <laughs> would take too long just on Premiere. Yeah, Jazz says mostly the hesitations are a good insight into how you troubleshoot problems. I think that's very important because actually in the past when I have taught printmaking, you know what actually matters more when you teach something so technical like that? You have to teach students how to fix mistakes because they're gonna make mistakes. They're gonna mess up the registration or, or maybe they didn't process the plate properly. And sometimes you cannot fix it sometimes, but a lot of the times you can. And the thing is, if you don't mess up when you're doing things or you don't explain, oh, if this happens, do this, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> so that's why I think it is important to look at those things. So even in here, I know there are all these little frayed things. I'm not putting them all in, but I'm putting in a few just to remind myself. I guess that's the theme for today. It's placeholders. I'm just holding a spot. And then when I feel like I want to be more definitive, I can go in and do some of that. But I don't feel definitive about anything right now. I, that's why I'm still keeping it ridiculously loose. And that's okay. I feel like I want more articulation over here, though. Sentient says, for sure, the feeling of company is great. Maybe because art can be so solitary sometimes, especially with COVID, the long videos and podcasts are a gentle way to do it socially. Oh yeah, I mean, I would go nuts. If I was in a studio by myself eight hours every day, I would not be able to stand that. It would drive me crazy. I would need to have other connections because people say to me all the time, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if you had lots of money, you didn't have to teach? I'm like, no. I mean, it'd be nice if I didn't have to work like crazy all the time and do spreadsheets <laughs> and worry about budget. But in the scheme of things, I am very happy that I have the interaction that I have. I need it. Seven Angelic says, yes, the long format allows for more info, interactiveness, and for us to follow along. Plus, I just like those random conversations we have about Matthew Good. <laughs> oh, you guys, it's so bad. Oh, my God. I have a problem. <laughs> I'm taking a Benedict break. <laughs> I mean, the Benedict thing, it was pretty souped up. When Louis Wayne came out, that movie about the cat artist, 
and then power of the I, I just was like, oh my God. And I have not seen Spider-Man yet. I know I will, but Doctor Strange is coming out not until May. And I'm like really, really sad about that. So I'm like, okay, let's just, let's have a little Matthew Good feast before the Benedict feast comes out in May. Oh, he's so cute. If you have not Googled him, you should. He's got really nice eyebrows. He's so thin and he's so tall. Oh, so cute. <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope that you will join me in the Discord. I will be in the post live streams channel right after the stream. The invite link is in the YouTube video description below. And I would like to give a big thank you to our top Patreon supporters, especially to Jin Schubert, who I believe was here live in the chat for becoming one of our latest new supporters. And without you, we would not be here. However, we still need more help. We would love to hit that Patreon goal, $6,000. We are getting there, but we still need your help. And also you get treats. You get all these fun things. You get to hang out with us in the Discord. You get exclusive content email newsletters and stuff like that, snail mail for me. So it's really fun. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Bye.